So this is our second podcast, um, How to Stay Married So Far. And I thought it'd be quite good as it's your sober birthday this Saturday. So that's 14 years since you were in the Priory, isn't it? I thought you were going to ask me that question, but yes, that is the answer to the question you were going to ask me. Yeah, this Saturday, 14 years ago, you had your very last drink. And it got me thinking, because I'm looking forward to celebrating it. It's hilarious how we celebrated it last year in a pub. Yes. (laughs) Are we celebrating it in a pub again? I quite fancy celebrating it in a wine bar. A wine bar, okay. But it got me thinking um, about how we met and when we first met and how we got together because I think for a lot of people listening to this it could very well resonate with them Mm. that so many people meet each other when they get pissed with beer goggles with beer goggles yeah because as you were just saying to our gorgeous 14 year old daughter today to hand over your heart in any way to anyone is putting yourself in such a vulnerable position and more Mm. and more people in the first few months of their dating will drink way too much. But I think it's always also really important to understand why I think alcohol plays a huge part in how most people get together. And I think the reason for alcohol playing such a major part is because I'm sure... I hope many people would agree, most people are incredibly shy or incredibly yeah. nervous or incredibly self, full of self-doubt, full of anxiety. And, and I, I mean, you know I think this, and I've always thought that many, many people are far shyer than they ever uh, are allowed to admit socially. I think shyness is, is seen as something that's a bit of a sort of abnormality and a little bit, oh, don't be a shy and retiring type. Whereas actually this would make you think that therefore if you're a drinker and you're out and did it, you know that you wouldn't be shy and actually i think drink is the fortification mm. process for people to step out into the world and meet people so it's quite an unfortunate means to gain access to matters of the heart because normally you do it in a totally incoherent manner stumbling over yourself and and, and often in an inappropriate ways but you're right if we hadn't been drunk that first night, what would have happened? Well, and yet I'd always, I'd already, because I always had this rule that I only went out with people that I knew at work or I knew through friends or I knew, so I would watch, I've always watched people before I've got together with them. Well, you were so working I can see what's. Yeah, but I was working with you, so yeah. I'd worked with you and met you. Oh, I see, so sober. that mitigates the idea that it was just drink. Yeah, and then the first mm. time that we got together, together, we were absolutely rat-assed. I mean, mm. my hangover lasted for days afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that was totally fear on my part. Because I, I needed that beer goggle confidence. Because you were just... I just never thought somebody like you would like me. What, someone like me? <laughs> yeah, so I just thought I wasn't your type. So, and you probably thought you weren't my type. But, I mean, it's the same for everyone, isn't it? It's just all your insecurities. When you first like somebody, you've got all that joy and all that excitement and all that adrenaline fueled mm. everything. But running parallel to it is, oh, my God, this is the most, I hate this about myself, I hate that about me. What if this is revealed? What if... Da, 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 da. <laughs> And then there's that terrible, I mean, I'm curious to know, there's that terrible pivot point when you meet someone 
and you've met through drink or over a drinking episode. I mean, a lot of people meet at parties, a lot of people got drunk, a lot of people kiss each other for the first time. I mean, you know, is alcohol ever a justified way to break down inhibitions? Because well, that's all it ever did for well, me. Yeah, look, the thing is, alcohol is here, it's legal. Mm. Okay, but let's make no bones about it, it's a drug. Mm. And it changes who we are and changes our perceptions. And, you know, oh, it's like I've got low battery. Uh, changes our perceptions. But I think what's wrong with just having a couple of glasses of wine to just knock off those edges and that sort of that discomfort? Sure. But Except I just thought, what's did. the problem with a couple of glasses of wine and knocking off the presenter? <laughs> <laughs> but we did a lot more than that. We drank a lot more than a couple yes. of glasses of wine. And so then I think that our relationship at the beginning was very... Messy in a way, I suppose. Oh God, it was incredibly, incredibly messy. Mm. And I think, you know, alcohol... I mean, and if you think about that, and you think about how soon we got married we were married within six months of meeting each other 15 years ago and nobody thought we would stay married i know because out of just being you know we just went from being really pissed to being married i think there was no there was no real thought through method there was there i mean Mm. But I think that's why, and excuse me, listeners, if you think this sounds presumptuous, but I'm, I'm just going to try and always, just with this podcast, just say exactly what I'm thinking and feeling. I think that's why there is some value in us doing this podcast. We might get to the end of the series and go, well, actually, there wasn't. Who the hell do we? But I think there is because I think we weren't the dream and we haven't done it properly and it's been so hard. And over the series, people will hear about our visits to rehab our visits to counsellors and psychiatrists and marriage guidance counsellors. And the breakdowns and the splitting <laughs> up and the throwings out and the, yeah. and the, and the hurling of things around. Yeah, and the... but if I was feeling a bit wayward with my marriage and was looking for something to listen to, I'd want to listen to people like but do you us. Do you think, in what would your advice be to any couple that meets immediately and within, you know, and it was in an intense fog and fog of alcohol and then they make such dramatic decisions like, man, what would you have said to yourself then? I mean, it was mad. Oh, if it had been anyone else, I would have said, for God's sake, yeah. don't get mad. This is insanity. Yeah. Just don't do it. I mean, you could drink me under the table quite often as well. The idea that I was the nutcase always is quite, you know, it has to be said. You, you, you I was wild. were ma a massive, massive drinker. Mm. I mean, a bottle of Jack Daniels would oh, come not on, even don't touch exaggerate. the sides. What? No, no, it's true. It's literally lying. It's true. So I always, but isn't this funny? So alcohol works in different ways. For me, the issue around the alcohol at the beginning of our relationship was it meant that your, you being drawn to me was therefore not authentic. You did this with everyone. You must have got drunk with so many other people, and that was the first. Well, what about you? How many girls have you got? No, Listen, I know. Mate, when we first got together, <laughs> you didn't even remember the girl that you'd slept with the night before. <gasps> well, you didn't, because I'd seen her. <gasps> It's true. You uh, didn't even remember. I'm trying to remember. I remembered because she sat in between us the whole time. Do you remember? <laughs> Awkward. 
Well, I'm now regretting that we've said we're not going to cut anything out of this. Yeah, podcast. there's no editing now. Ooh. At least she's not sitting between us now. So, what was your point? I don't know. We've kind of ground to a really embarrassing halt. I think the point that we're trying to make. No, what here, point are you trying to make? The I point I was trying to make was I, I was actually throwing myself onto my own sword by saying alcohol both fortified me, made me feel confident, made me feel I could be all the things that I didn't feel I was when I wasn't drinking. It made me feel confident to step forward and 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 be whatever a charming, you know, whatever sort of a charming chap could be. Um, but it also made me, I did have double standards. So I did think, oh my God, so Jesus, do, you know, does she get drunk with everyone? And does, is this what happens? No, no, no. But no. Deeply rooted in sexism, yeah, Deeply isn't sexist. It? Deeply sexist. But I think it, the it reason, is but yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's right. You're about to witness the illogicality of a row. I'm saying it's wrong. But she's going to start hitting me with it already. Yeah, because you made me annoyed no, again. Yeah, good, be annoyed. But my point is, I think this happens in a lot of relationships where those double standards happen, where a lot of men, and I'm saying, I'm putting my hand up and saying it's wrong, but a lot of men don't think of themselves in the same way. They go, you can't be a woman. There are double standards oh, yeah, there. It's like there are double men. standards there. That women who drink a lot and go out are tarts and slappers and da 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 da. And I'd like to think I wasn't holding on to those thoughts. But they were informing my lack of confidence in thinking that you were actually committed to me at the beginning. Or that you, you just wanted called me. me a slapper and a what else? <laughs> I didn't call you a slapper. Well, no, but you did. No, in but a way, the, but you these, did. No, but these are terms that, pe- that a lot of men, and I'm saying even, you know, well brought up. Not that I was that well brought up, but, you know, fe- I've been imbued with feminist thinking. and I Educated. Yeah, I, I thought I would never think like that, but I was thinking like that. And alcohol, in a weird way, wasn't just the the problem for me in terms of I drank too much. It was also having a negative effect on mm. the way I thought of things. Paranoia. Yeah. Well, yeah, but no, but paranoia. Yeah. So, but paranoia. The pa- but the paranoia about you was around your drinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking of this discussion and and it in relation to what we say this podcast is and and how other people can identify. I suppose what we're talking about is. What are we talking about? That there about? is... I, I, I mean, we are stumbling our way through this, and I think it's just really interesting to do that. But it's... If you saw it down on paper, we wouldn't have stayed together. So if somebody were feeling hopeless, maybe, in the beginning of a relationship, or just, you know, a few months in, or the first year of marriage, which are all so hard, I suppose that we, we are sharing that it was... A bloody nightmare for us. Mm. But one day at a time, we are still making it. What was the pivot point at which it went from being all hijinks and laughter and going out and drinking and meeting all my mates? Me get pregnant. Hey? I got pregnant. There you go. So I couldn't drink. Have we explained that in the first six months? But no, ah, when was the first time you actually got pregnant with me? Darling, I've only ever been pregnant. But when... It was very, it was even earlier than Maddie because you, you had a miscarriage before we had Maddie. So within the first, but this time frame is all quite short actually because we got That's married within six months. I you know. say, "Oh, I was drunk all this time," but actually I wasn't. I was no. only that was only for about the first two months we yeah. were drunk loads, yeah. and then we just crazily decided we were going to try and have a baby, and but, then I got pregnant, and then I had a miscarriage, and I carried on drinking. 
You carried on drinking. And you stopped, You started to stop because you miscarried and then you got pregnant again with Maddie. Mm-hmm. So you're right, quite early on there was very little... Drinking. Yeah, so in those two months I feel like I lived eight years of drinking yeah. with you. It's really interesting when you look at the mm. time frame, isn't it? There you it? go. Because it was actually only the first yeah. eight weeks we were like that. Yeah. I mean, believe me guys, that's not the end of the story because I went back to drinking in a big way, as did Nadia, and the story gets really dark and really disturbing. <laughs> Well, I never went back to drinking in a big way. You did, after you'd had Maddie. Did I? Yes. God, I can't remember that. I mean, we were were all drinkers. We were all drinkers and smokers and everything. I mean, you know, it's just... But, you know, going... Smoke fags. But going back to the very beginning, and I like the fact that there's this slight, slight chronology. We're stumbling through the chronology of our own relationship in a drunken manner. And as we drunkenly stumble backwards, you're right. The thing that the big, the first earliest big change or shift in our relationship was you falling pregnant. And we were in Cornwall. And I remember you being pregnant that first time. Mm. And then what went wrong there? Well, I had a miscarriage. Yeah. Mm. Do you remember how excited we were that first time? Oh, my God. Oh my god! And now, when you think about it, we'd only known each other three months. How are we so Jer- certain? We like something out of a Jeremy Kyle episode. When you actually look at I it, I know. I mean, if we were watching Jeremy Kyle, hell, we were—we're going to have ourselves a baby. We were going, what? They were drinking like that, and then they got pregnant, and then what? It was highly. It was highly, in retrospect, irresponsible. Highly, highly irresponsible. And to be fair, I had my two daughters already that I obviously wasn't living with. But, um, and I think I was just cock-a-hoop at the idea that you'd seen something in me that you wanted and that we both seemed to be singing from the same song sheet so completely. It wasn't like there was anyone convincing anyone else more, it felt like, but there was just a sense of we were moving inevitably towards this sort of... Mm. this this marriage and having a child. And sometimes, I think, in retrospect, we never allowed ourselves the oxygen of what most couples go through at the beginning of a relationship. Within a nanosecond, we fully... <laughs> familyed up. Uh, well, I mean, I think a lot of people will identify with that, I think, hopefully listening and that it might not be necessary to have had a baby or to but to get into the responsible stuff it's like what i will say to all our girls wait don't just move in with mm. somebody really quick don't do that and yet we've done that mm. and it's worked but that weight of responsibility that a lot of relationships have i mean even people that are coming off the back of a very big expensive wedding and then mm. trying to to find, to rent a nice place or buy a nice place and you're straight into the responsibility of a relationship and to keep the romance going in a relationship is so difficult and I think that's why so much, there's so many many unhappy marriages Mm. and we've had very, very unhappy times, haven't we? Oh God, we're going to talk all about them. If people are listening now thinking, oh God, well this isn't for me because I'm really unhappy at the moment, oh my God. We were both so unhappy. There were many times mm. that I thought, for sure, if we didn't have the kids, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have stayed. So, as we sort of look at the subject of alcohol, how has alcohol now 
how does alcohol sit within our relationship? Because I think a lot of couples struggle with, with drink on both sides of the equation, yeah. drinking too much or, together, or one also. together or one partner drinking yeah. more than the other. How does it, how does it, how would you say it works now? Because if I'm honest, I'll just throw in my thought. I often feel really bad and sad for you that we can't just go out and just kick back and throw caution to the wind and have a few drinks. Well, and ditto, I feel bad and sad for you that we can't do that. Mm. But then I also feel very blessed that you take your sobriety very seriously because we wouldn't have anything if you weren't sober. No. You wouldn't, within weeks, our whole lives would be destroyed because you can't have one drink. You mm. have to have 100 drinks. So I don't know how you do it. I just literally don't know how you do it. I don't know how you've stayed 14 years sober, but I do know you've done it because of me and the girls. So, yes, it is frustrating sometimes. And, yes, I think, oh, I wish we could just have half a bottle of wine together and just get a bit silly and a bit giggly and a bit... And then I think, yeah, but that's just so surface mm. compared to what we've actually got, which is mm. a, you know... A sober relationship. But how is it for you drinking around me? I'd have thought people, I'm thinking of what people would probably be wanting to hear. So you've got a partner who doesn't drink. Does that make you feel bad about drinking? Do you feel guilty? Do you struggle with it? Well, you never make me feel guilty about it. I hope not. You never say a single word. You never say... I mean, I, I, like, might... I like there being a bottle of wine in the fridge. You never say to me, oh, I wish you wouldn't have a drink or blah, 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 or you're not going to get pissed or da, no. da, da. You never, ever do any of that. So... I think that would be difficult because I don't want to give up alcohol completely, you know. I'm mm. not an alcoholic. I, like a huge section of the population, probably on occasion drink too much, mm. but I'm not an alcoholic. Mm. Um, but definitely your ease around me drinking is, is really nice for me. Do you think you drink less than when we oh used to drink? Oh, my God! Of course, because I never open a bottle of wine. I never come in and have a drink in the evening, ever, do I? Unless there's people here. And that's never... not a sacrifice. No, it's not a sacrifice at all. I love it. Because if we had were both drinking, we'd come in, we'd open a bottle of mm. wine, we'd drink a whole bottle of wine, and then we'd open a second bottle of wine. Mm. Which is a lot of what our friends do. I know. Yeah. Every single night. I mean, it'd be really interesting for me to hear from people about whether they struggle with... Uh... One partner. one partner drinking more than them or too much or and also i mean the, the biggest problem i'd have thought for many couples which i suppose we've kind of glossed over which is how on earth does the one who feels the other one is drinking too much how do they broach it with their partner and i mean mm. with us how long is a piece of string in telling that story because that was two years of on off trying and struggling and white knuckling and but trying to a, stop it's a very important part of this podcast for us because it it was mm. a thread that's run through our marriage mm. And so if people are listening, if you think, oh, I haven't had, uh, I haven't got this problem, I haven't got anybody drinking too much. But if you just listen to the similarities of it, it might not be drink that your partner has, it might not be a drinking problem, it might be something else. What's the thread that goes through in your relationship mm. that causes a distance between you or, I mean, it could be workaholic, it could be somebody that's obsessed with their mother, it could be somebody, it could be anything. Our one of the big things in our relationship has been our struggle with addictions, food or alcohol mm. or whatever. 
Which also, and that's defined us, but also saved us, I think. And that also manifests itself in different ways, like codependency and, uh, you know, work, workaholism, rescuing. And there's all these kind of catchphrases that we, we use because I was thrown into rehab and they threw away the key and I had to sit in a cell and I had to just shake an awful lot and not drink anything. I wonder if anyone, do you want to know what it's like in the pirate? We'll tell you. Why don't we do a it's whole not like, thing? It's not like a luxury, luxury place. It's It looks amazing from the outside, but you go in and it's like what I would imagine university rooms to be like. Yeah, it's not too dissimilar to halls. Yeah, it's not luxury mm. at all. And probably with a student grant now, you pay as much to go to university as you do to go into the Priory. So in fact, just go to the Priory and avoid all the money <laughs> you're going to spend on alcohol when you go to university. Top tip. But... um. But yeah. Did you think this podcast has been any use to I haven't got a clue. I don't know. Would you mind leaving us some comments? Yeah. And tell and tell us if we're being boring or we're just wittering or we're Because we've been listening to quite a few podcasts doing our research on this and actually we find most of them really annoying. And really boring. <laughs> so maybe we're really annoying and yeah. boring too. But we're but, trying to be authentic. We're just yeah. trying to talk honestly and openly about a relationship that on many, 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 many fronts shouldn't have worked, couldn't have worked, and wouldn't, and and wouldn't have not, worked. And may still not work. And let's face it, we're together for one more week. You never know. Next time you tune in, there might just be one of us. Yeah. Hmm. So um, thank you guys and... Um, as we say, leave your comments. Coming in to turn you off. And hey, it's all free anyway, so you can always just turn it off if we are true, boring. True, Bye. If you've enjoyed this, we'd love it if you left an honest review and rating. And uh, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode.